I'd like to read to you from the scriptures. From Luke chapter 19. And he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. And he was a tax collector. And he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he, ran, because he was of small stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree to see for he's about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. And so he hurried and came down, and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, for he had gone to be a guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, half my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone for anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. And the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. It's it's wonderful to be back here after my vacation in Ireland. I, I missed each of you, but I must also admit that spending 10 uninterrupted days with my lovely wife was a blessing. You know, since founding this church in 2005, I haven't had the chance to take such an extended break that wasn't related to a mission trip. And I am so proud of our incredible team here. You have all kept the mission of reaching out for Jesus to reach his lost sheep alive and well during the time that I was gone. New souls heard about the gospel here at Crosswinds, and I am grateful. You know, if we haven't met yet today, my name is Ken, and I serve as the pastor here. And last week, our apprentice pastor, Jason Magafest, preached a, a very compelling sermon on God's unconditional acceptance of sinners. And he made it clear through the scriptures that God is always ready to accept us regardless of our sins. Now, God's acceptance of our, us, Jason kind of talked about this, is different from his approval of our behavior. Those two things are separate issues. By his grace, God chooses to accept us as loved children that he created, while he still allows for the consequences for our sinful behavior. See, God's love transcends human love, which is often very transactional. I love you because of what you do for me or how you make me feel. In contrast, God's love is grounded in his nature. He loves us simply because he has chosen to, not because of our behavior. And today's message is titled Active Acceptance. And it it focuses on how we ought to accept others as God's children. Just accept them because they are God's children. Jesus serves as our ultimate example. In in today's scripture, he actively accepts a man whose society had entirely shunned. This man was rejected for his career, for his career choices, his his physical appearances, uh, for his behavior. He had bad behavior, which included cheating and betraying his own people. And yet here, Jesus offers him full acceptance and forgiveness. And even gives him status in his kingdom. This is grace. And and grace is neither passive nor common. It's it's active. And it's a rare gift. In today's world, everyone 
is desperate for acceptance. And there are some that even demand it. People want us to accept their lifestyle choices, their, their political views, their religious beliefs, their economic status, their race, their fashion. And, and when we fail to comply to, to labels that, that they want us to affirm, we could become the worst villains of society, like our tax collector. But isn't this a contradiction? Are not we rejected for the sin of not accepting someone else's behavior? What, what Jesus teaches us is that we can and should actively accept the person even if we disagree with their actions. Those are two different things, aren't they? This is not easy. It requires a divine level of grace to do this. I once counseled a, a, a man who confessed to me to abusing his own children. And, and God supplied me with the compassion to hug and embrace that man, despite the rage inside me of wanting to pummel him, honestly, because I cared about the people he'd hurt. He faced legal consequences for his actions. But that day, my role was to love and accept him as a person created in the image of God and one that could be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. See, true active acceptance is not a walk in the park, friends. It's a calling from Jesus who said, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them, Luke 6, 32. And then Jesus raises the bar even a little higher in the next verse. He says, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same thing. In essence, authentic love isn't about liking someone or, or feeling good. It's about valuing what God has chosen to love. Real love is not a feeling, but it's an action. It's a choice to accept even the unacceptable in obedience to God. You know, many Christians and Christian leaders find it easy to express love and acceptance when it aligns with what is culturally popular. But there's a significant difference between merely agreeing with what's popular and acting loving and accepting to those whose society is rejecting. This doesn't mean to endorse sin. It means viewing every individual as redeemable through God's grace. Your acceptance of others can be a bridge for others to believe in their own redemption. Let's dig deeper today by exploring this account of Zacchaeus in depth in Luke 19. He was a social outcast, and let's catch a glimpse of, of how Jesus accepted him. This, this story seems to serve as a template of how we can disciple other people, teaching us how to reach out even when it's uncomfortable. And he entered Jericho, and he was passing through, Luke 19.1. And the first step that we all have to remember is to enter in. It's been up there for two years. Enter in, right? That's, that's what we need to do. That's the first step, is enter in. And I've emphasized that throughout the sermons on Luke. Jesus enters into Jericho and, and physically moved into Zac Zacchaeus' space. 
We can't truly offer acceptance of others if we remain isolated from those who are different kinds of sinners than we are or those who make us uncomfortable. It's easy to champion acceptance in theory while failing to practice it in real life interactions. Let's consider, consider a contemporary example. You know, the Black Lives Matter, while I might not agree with every political aspect of it, of the organization, I resonate, resonate with the assertion that black lives matter. They matter. But for many, these were just words. They were an intellectual affirmation devoid of active acceptance of individuals. Some engaged in protests. Some um, did destructive acts, all in the name of this cause. But friends, is that genuine acceptance? I think not. Active acceptance isn't achieved through hashtags or political affiliations. It's embodied in the hard work of actually loving your neighbor. When it's difficult, you know, regardless of the criticism directed towards me during that time as a 55-year-old white male, I've striven to make my ministry throughout my whole life in giving genuine love and acceptance to all races and all backgrounds. Instead of turning acceptance into a, a political rallying cry, let's convert it to a call of radical love for everyone. The world doesn't change with a new political movement. It changes when we are fortified by God's love and actively accept and love one another. See, what I chose to do with my, instead of protest, was just to give acceptance and love to the best of my ability to every black life because they matter to me. And that's also true of every brown life and Every white life and every LGBTQ life and every Palestinian life and every Israeli life and every policeman's life and every woman's life and every man's life. In, in places like the West Bank City, it's all kinds of division. This is Jericho, where Jesus entered into, Jericho. Religious factions are at odds with each other, claiming to be the chosen ones. But the reality is God seeks all of us. That's what the story is saying. God seeks all of us. The authenticity of your acceptance is revealed not when you're shielded by your smartphone or your TV, putting a like on your cause, but when you engage with the world around you, just as Jesus did. Verse 2 says, And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. What do, what do we know about this man whom Jesus chose to actively give acceptance to? To, to actively accept people, we need to, to know them, both their virtues and, and their vices. The truth of us, each of us have both virtues and vices. And, and so we know Zacchaeus was a man, and the text later reveals that he was short in stature. Have you ever considered that he might have felt rejected throughout his whole life for being smaller in a human culture that values physical height and might. He was also a tax collector, a, 
a role despised in a society due to the practice of tax farming. You know, these tax collectors were often Jewish, and so they were seen as traitors for working for their Roman occupiers, and they profited by collecting more taxes than, than the Romans required, and they were, uh, they were essentially extorting their own people. And Zacchaeus, he was a master at it. He was not only a tax collector, he was the chief of the tax collectors in a wealthy area. He, you know, despite his small stature, he learned to exert power through his position. You know, today there's many who seek acceptance by adopting a persona of strength, even if it leads them down a harmful path. The refusal to accept people as God made them to be can can drive them towards the devil's acceptance. Many teens join gangs. Businessmen learn to cheat. People may even seek to change their physical identities or their, their sexual identities or, their, or genders, all in the desperate quest for acceptance. When, when society tells individuals they're insignificant, it's no surprise they, they, they look for affirmation, maybe in all the wrong places. While, while the world saw Zacchaeus as a traitor and a sinner, Jesus saw the man as a lost child in need of true acceptance. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Notice in this verse, Zacchaeus was unsatisfied with the worldly acceptance, despite his riches and power, he was still searching for something more. And, and friends, I want to tell you, no matter what level of worldly acceptance we have, we all still have that God-sized void in our lives that only his grace can fill. Jesus said that. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied Teens, I want you to listen up close. You might think more money, greater age, popularity, people accepting you will, will make you feel accepted. But, but see, that's a lie. People are fickle. No matter how acceptance you achieve, it won't be enough. You won't be satisfied. True acceptance comes from seeking and embracing God's love. Then and only then will you find that satisfaction. Something was hindering Zacchaeus here. What was it? The crowd. While he wanted acceptance and he was in search of it, the crowd <coughs> was keeping him away from Jesus. If you're like the crowd who, who, who make people work for your approval, then, then, then you're not practicing active acceptance. You're engaged in transactional acceptance. Now, Zacchaeus' own fear could have cost him the encounter with Jesus. Because he was short, maybe he didn't move to the front of the crowd. Maybe because he feared their rejection or their abuse due to his unpopular occupation. But the Bible says this, 
The fear of man lays a snare, but <coughs> excuse me, whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. See, there's a deceptive trap lurking in our need for human approval. Today, ask yourself, whose validation are you seeking? Your spouse? Your children? Your boss? Or, or perhaps your friends at school or at work? If your answer is anyone other than God, know that that's a very slippery slope. Even if those relationships are positive, the fear of others' judgment can ensnare you, compelling you to lie, to cheat, to compromise your own principles in ways that you never imagined. The Bible urges us to change course and, and seek fully the approval of the one who offers acceptance freely without the need for us to earn it. Why do we place so much weight on fickle human approval when divine acceptance is freely available to all of us and that it costs so much that it was even the God's own son's life that was paid for it? Why don't we value it? And we value human fickle acceptance. See, Jesus was able to extend active love and acceptance to us because he was not driven by the need for their approval. His compass was set on fulfilling his Father's will. His freedom was so complete that even when he faced execution, he remained grounded in his Father's love through betrayal, through mockery, through even death. His Father's declaration is what drove him. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And that's not some fleeting sentimental thing, but eternal truth. God is unchanging. And so if you place your trust in him and and you are secure in what he believes about you, you are secure forever, no matter what earthly trials you go through. Now consider Zacchaeus, a tax collector. He was aware he wasn't the crowd's favorite. Yet his concern for public opinion didn't deter him from seeking acceptance from Jesus, who he believed to be some divine figure capable of loving him, loving even society's outcasts. And, and so he runs ahead and he climbs up into a sycamore tree to see what he could see, see, see. And <coughs> for he was about to pass that way. I know you're waiting for it, Jason. Notice how Zacchaeus' faith spurred him into action, folks. Faith is not merely wishful thinking. It's a deep-seated trust in God's redemptive power. As the scripture says in, in Hebrews eleven six, and without faith it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Who initiated his transformation for Zacchaeus? Who, who initiated it? Was, it? was it because he was a very adept tree climber? <coughs> was it his efforts in tree climbing that made him accepted? No. Our, our, our relationship with God does not rely on our deeds. It is founded in his grace. 
Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Jesus sought Zacchaeus. He was there for Zacchaeus. Jesus called Zacchaeus. <coughs> it may feel, friends, like we are seeking God, but it is God who has been actively pursuing us all along. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, <coughs> loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. This is his active, God's active divine acceptance. God is pursuing us relentlessly as if chasing after a lifeless corpse to breathe life into it by his gift. Now we, may, we do have a choice in this. We have a choice to respond or not. But it's only God that's about able to bring life to our spiritual deadness. He has to come to each one of us like he did to Zacchaeus. In the scriptures, miracles occurred when people actively responded to Jesus' command. Recall the paralytic man who Jesus commanded to rise and pick up his bed and walk. And, And when he obeyed the word of God, new life surged through his once useless limbs. Similarly, we must heed God's voice and act in faith so that we can experience the transforming power of his divine acceptance. To to experience the the life-transforming power of Christ, to truly be accepted by God, we need two things. Belief leading to action. Belief leading to action. Think about Zacchaeus. He did not let... Societal judgment hinder his quest for acceptance. He didn't say, people will think I'm too simple to be around a prophet like you, Jesus. I'm a lost cause. No, Zacchaeus hurried down and climbed down that tree, his face glowing with joy for his divine acceptance. And so he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. Why was Zacchaeus (coughs) joyful despite all his previously... um, feelings of being unaccepted, his loneliness, and, and all his feelings of rejection. Why is he now all of a sudden joyful? Because Jesus breathed new life into him, thank you, and, and, and shared his joy. And, and friends, that's the same joy that erupts in heaven with when one sinner repents, as we've read in Luke 15 before. It's, it's a cosmic celebration. When, when, when someone receives God's acceptance, there's a, a cosmic celebration of a divine accomplishment. What does Jesus say to Zacchaeus? I, I must stay at your house tonight. That word must to your friends is, is significant. It, it's, a, it's a divine imperative. When Jesus uses the word must, friends, it's no light thing. I want you to reflect on Luke 9, 22. Jesus said this, The Son of Man must suffer many things, must be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be slain and be raised on the third day. What Jesus must do is not passive acceptance. It's an active, sacrificial, radical love that endures scorn, pain, and humiliation. 
This is the extent to which Jesus actively accepts each one of us. It's not just words. It's blood spilled, life given to make us acceptable in the eyes of God. This is grace. It's so good. It it almost seems too good to be true. However, there is always a societal backlash. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He had gone to be with a gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Friends, there's always a they. A vague judgmental crowd that grumbles when grace is extended. Their grumbling is not against the sinner. Because they've already written off the sinner. They already wrote off Zacchaeus. But their grumbling is against the wisdom of God. A God who actively accepts. You see, religious people can often be the most resistant to this radical grace. It's not the religious in a traditional sense that are, 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 are always the ones rejecting grace, but it's also those who consider themselves atheists or that consider themselves morally superior, like atheists. You know, they, 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 they consider those dim-witted Christians. They have no grace. Jesus said this to a group of religiously-minded people because you don't have to follow a religion to be religiously minded. He said, go learn what this means. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but the sinner. Matthew 9, 13. Jesus' concept of must diverges sharply from our typical understanding. Most people operate under the imperative of they must prove their superiority. Jesus turns this on its head. For him, must means sacrificing self to uplift others, to make others acceptable in the eyes of God. Zacchaeus got it. He recognized he was already accepted by God. Not because he was deserving, but because of God's love. And we we know that because his subsequent actions speak volume. And Zacchaeus stood up and he said, Lord, behold, half my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anybody for anything, I restore it fourfold. Now, did Zacchaeus perform those acts to, to earn God's acceptance or acceptance by the crowd? No. Jesus had already accepted Zacchaeus. His generosity was not an attempt to prove his worthiness to God. It was a response to worthiness being bestowed upon him. It was grace in action. See, grace is meant to flow through us to others. Contrary to what people might think here, this was not about guilt or about regret over past transactions. Regret focuses on potential consequences, not on divine acceptance. Friends, this was genuine repentance. This was a genuine change, a a transformation of a heart. Remember, Zacchaeus was once 
shrewd and a wealthy tax collector, notorious for cheating. And now he was offered restitution far exceeding what he could imagine. And he, and he, and he gave grace far beyond what the Mosaic law even demanded. Numbers 5, uh, 6, and 7 says this, Speak to the people of Israel. When a man or woman commits any sin that people commit by breaking faith to the Lord, and they, that person realizes his guilt, he should confess that sin that he has committed, and he shall make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it, and giving it to him whom he did wrong. So there's a law on how to, to make restitution. And I can almost hear the, the, the religious people murmuring here. This man's not just a cheat, he's a fool. Why, why pay back fourfold and, and give half your goods to the poor when the law only demands a fifth and a tithe? Half your goods? That's four times the amount you need to do. That's foolish. But Zacchaeus wasn't bad at math. He was making the wisest investment of his life. By embracing God's grace, he found a new imperative, a, a new purpose for his life to extend that same grace that he had received and that same mercy to others. <coughs> in, in doing so, Zacchaeus embodied what John the Baptist urged tax collectors to do. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. It's not about working to earn one's salvation. It's about a natural outpouring of good works, the, the fruit of grace when we recognize and accept the incredible grace that God has extended each one of us. Zacchaeus recognized that the acceptance of God was worth much more than half his wealth and, and paying four times as much as he stole because God's generosity had been bestowed upon him, which was priceless. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, since he's also a son of Abraham. Notice Jesus didn't say, Today this man has earned his salvation, or he did everything required to be saved. No, salvation or acceptance of God had come to him. That's what Jesus said. It had come to him. Jesus said he was a son of Abraham. This is significant. Abraham was the hero of the they. And they thought that because Abraham's blood was in their veins and they obeyed the laws that they were saved. But Jesus said that this cheat was also a son. He had not obeyed the law and he, he cheated. How how could he be saved? By faith. By faith. See, God's word said Abraham was not saved by his heritage, by his religion, by being sinless. He was saved by his faith in the fact that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. In Genesis 15, Abraham is feeling rejected. He's not feeling accepted by God because he's old. He does not have a son yet. And yet God says to him, look to the heavens and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then God said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and counted it to him as righteousness. 
And friends, this is before all world religions, before Islam, before Judaism, before the law, before Christianity even. A man believed in God's good promise that he would be accepted, even though the evidence of his life seemed totally contrary, but he believed by grace and he was given God's righteousness. Abraham's sin was removed. That's what that means. His sin was removed, and he was now acceptable to God by God's grace through his faith in him. As a preacher today, I'm standing before you to say that you're not going to heaven because you say you're a Jew or a Muslim or even a Christian. Those are religions. You're going to heaven when you believe by faith God actively accepts you. Let me say that again. Those are religions. You're going to heaven when you believe by faith that God actively accepts you. Like that, for, he did the same thing he did for Zacchaeus. That he has come for you. That, that he faced the humiliation of the crowd for you. But he kept his face turned towards you. And that he was beaten and that he was mocked for you. And yet his face stayed actively accepting of you as he cried out on that cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And then he, he accepted death so you could be accepted, paying the price for all of your sin. And then three days later, that, that same Jesus got up and he, he walked out of the grave to prove that your acceptance was not just words, but that it was active. It was the reality of who God is. And Jesus came back from that grave to accept you, to call you into an eternal relationship with him by faith in his goodness and his love and his mercy for you. The truth is, friends, you've been actively accepted by him, and he has proved it. Whether you believe it or not, you have been actively accepted by him. The question, friends, is do you believe it? Today, do you believe it? This is the most important thing to you. You're more worried about what they think. Do you believe it? If not, Jesus says, hurry, come, come, come believe. Stop living in your shortcomings, Zacchaeus. Come, come believe. Stop, Zacchaeus, trying to prove your worth. Come to me and I will show you your worth. The God of the universe loved you enough to come to you and to die for you. Friend, today, do you receive his acceptance? You know, many reject his acceptance of grace. Why? Because they know that they will need to be like Zacchaeus and let that grace actively flow through them to their enemies. But all who did receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Today, 
Friends, will you be like Zacchaeus and invite Jesus to come abide with you in your home? Are you going to be just religious and just come to church and then judge other sinners for their sins? Jesus instead has called you to be his church to receive his active acceptance of you by grace and give that same active acceptance to others. His true children do what he did. Actively accept others. Not just intellectually. Oh yeah, they matter. They matter, whoever they is. Never interact with them. Jesus went to accept Zacchaeus. He sought him out. He called him into relationship with himself. Are you doing that with others? If not, repent. Have a change of heart. Remember what he has done for you and be joyful and share that joy with others. Final verse from our story is a statement from Jesus of his purpose, of his life purpose. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That word, those words, son of man, means God. God came to save, seek, seek and save the lost. Today, if you're lost, he is here for you. There are many like Zacchaeus out there. And God's purpose, and your purpose, if you're really called by his name and are not just a fan, if your purpose is to turn and do what he did. Today, turn and follow. Because that's where the joy is. That's, that's where your salvation is. Receiving his acceptance and giving it to others actively, regardless of their behavior. You are to love them. Let us pray. <coughs> Father, I thank you for your word. It's always relevant. It's always true. And I pray that there's some today that heard that they are accepted by you. And they will no longer chase the world's acceptance, but they will turn and repent and receive your grace. Believe that you, the most important person in the universe, accept them right now. They don't have to earn it. They just need to receive it. And you will give them the right to become children of God, forgiven of their sins, holy and eternal forever that you'll let them enter your kingdom. That's complete acceptance, and you can do that today, Lord. Father, let them not delay. Let them turn right now and come. Let them hurry down off that tree, whatever that tree, whatever that high place that they're on. Let them come down to you. Lord, let them receive your acceptance. Let them come out of the sadness of the world into the joy of your salvation, let them do that by faith. And may we celebrate it in this place today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.